Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. We are the topiary creatures. We're very pleased to meet you. Senors and senoritas too. The animals we feature. No would never eat you. We sing so very sweet to you. Welcome to the zoo. Zoo, zoo. With the kangaroos. Roos, roos. And the tigers too. Zoo, zoo. Welcome to the zoo, zoo, zoo. So shows themselves reliance. Come in and see our clients. But do not be the giant yaks. You learn about the lions. And advertising tie-ins. And maybe learn some science facts. Welcome to so the zoo. So wipe off your windshield so you can't the kangaroos, see. The elephant, the monkey, and the chimpanzee. And the tigers, Canaries, the carries, the bears are all hairy. The cheetahs, the cicadas, gorillas, and gators. The emu and the llama, very similar to the kangaroos. The turtles and the tortoises, the dolphins and the tigers. Mice, lice, geese, moose. Welcome to the zoo. We're very pleased to meet you. I haven't written this verse yet. But uh, I will write it and it will sound much better than when we had a wet, wet, wet. Welcome so, to the zoo. Wipe off your windshield zoo, zoo, so you can the see the elephant, the monkey, and the chimpanzee. Canaries, the carries, the bears are all hairy. The cheetahs, the cicadas, gorillas, and the gators. The emu and the llamas, very similar to the dromedary turtles, and the tortoise, the dolphins, and the puppets. Life, mice, geese, moose. Welcome to the zoo. We are the topiary creatures. We're early multimedia. So our lips don't have to move exact. But I'll direct a Sammy. Since we could win a Grammy. If we let you interact. Welcome to the zoo. Zoo, zoo. With the kangaroos. Roos, roos. And the tigers too. Zoo, zoo. Welcome to the zoo, zoo, zoo. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and sometimes your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. However, joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 117 is, by popular request, possibly our most requested guest ever, is George A. Sanger. Welcome, what? George. Most re- most requested? I'm, I'm your M-R-G-E? You are. You are. Uh, yeah, we had, uh, uh, I could think of at least, uh, we've had, I think we've had five different people request your tracks for the show. So, so we've used all those uh, without your permission previously. Um, uh, yeah. And obviously you've given us approval in retrospect. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Uh, and, and into the future and uh, in other universes, <laughs> uh, you're completely covered. We'll point people towards uh, towards your official outlets later on. Don't worry. Um, yeah, so we had uh, we had Stefan Schutz on a, a little while back, and he's uh, he's a, a, a former collaborator and friend of yours. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I almost don't want to call him a former collaborator. Uh, he's he and and watching the sentence structure here, I would say uh, certainly not a former friend. He's a current friend. Good. Yeah, and uh, we actually have weekly. Uh, uh, we have a weekly scheduled hangout. Where oh, we nice. just talk about how things are and uh, brilliant. Yeah, as though we had drinks in our hands, which we oh, usually wonderful. don't. 
Well, yeah, he was a fine guest, and he he was uh, he was very keen for for us to to get you on. As was uh, we had uh, a guy called Joe Tikas, uh, who's been on a couple of times, who's uh, been on uh, picking his favourite tracks and also um, showcasing some tracks from his his band. He's a massive fan of yours, and also Ryan Eston Paul, who I believe you know via the internet. Yeah. Um, uh, and he he was really keen for for you to come on as well. So uh, we made it happen, and thank you for agreeing to do it. So if I can call you a veteran of the video games industry, if that's if that's not an insult, it's certainly not meant as one. A legend, maybe. Uh, Perhaps, legend. Uh, I I would accept both of those, uh, and I like <laughs> veteran because it implies it implies some. Uh, uh, What's the adjective I'm looking for? The something scars, uh, dignified oh. scars. Uh, yeah, yeah. Scars with provenance. Uh, so I'll accept. Yeah. <laughs> provenance scars, is, a, is a great one. Scars I got. So scars of provenance. Yeah. I like it. But before uh, you started working aud- audio for games, and, and I guess throughout as well, and still, I imagine you're a, a you know a, a songwriter, a, a band guy, a country rocker. Um, from Texas, and uh, I've seen footage. You shared some with me earlier of your band, Flakes. Is that right? Uh, from the early '80s, playing soul- sellout shows. That's right. Uh, not so much country, not so much from Texas. I'm actually from uh, Coronado, San Diego, and uh, but I spent a lot of time in Los Angeles. And the Flakes, P H L I X, P H L A I X. Yes, yes. Uh, that was my wonderful little band in uh in the post-college years in la in the 80s when we were playing eighth notes with skinny ties and stripy shirts yeah Uh, yeah but uh and yes i was wondering if you were uh known to or familiar with uh the camp of van beethoven and cracker uh allies axis from from that sort of world that was a little bit after my time i actually sat in on a recording uh on a live recording session for camper van beethoven and actually wow uh, uh, leonard cohen was at that too but uh, my goodness, mostly I was in the uh, recording van, uh, hanging out with the recording guys uh, and talking over their music. Uh, but I got to set up. What did I? I set up a couple of microphones. All oh, right. So one of my, if not possibly my favorite all-time band, Camper Van Beethoven, and uh, yeah, David Lowry's something of a of a hero of mine. Cool. Um, that's very cool. Uh, so, but. Your first video game project um, was 1983 on the Intellivision. Now, I yeah. don't, uh, I've had a lot of games machines. I've played a lot of games. I do not associate the Intellivision with, uh, with its sound uh, technology. So, so what, what, what was that like? <laughs> well, you gotta understand, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're kind of looking at things uh, differently. The sound technology was not a gating factor. It's like you, you, when I, was excited about video games. Yeah. They were this kind of new thing that was exciting when other things just weren't. I mean, the Beatles mm-hmm. were exciting, video, but but they were even kind of old then. And we're talking about, yeah. you know, 1981, 82. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, what was fun for me was playing Asteroids or Missile Command or oh, Space yeah. Invaders and these things. It was like we were discovering, you know, yeah. nothing was commercial. You went out and you discovered it or your friend told you about it. Not all your friends, just like this one friend. I mean, it, it was very, very different from today. And that world was exciting to me. And so when I uh, found that a buddy 
Well, my brother's college roommate, Dave Warhol, was in the video games business. I said, look, I will do anything to be in that business. Right. I'm, and, and, you know, I'll take out, I was ready to take out trash cans. And that's what I told him. And he said, well, actually, you're, you're a musician, aren't you? And huh, I, I kind of right. paused for a long time. And then I said, yeah, I guess so. And uh, <laughs> he said, well, I've got a tune that needs writing for one of these games. And so that was, so it so there was no, uh, you know, there was no question about what's the technology, what's the, you know, what's, yeah. you see what I'm saying? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's like, okay, something in video games is needed. I'm all mm. about that. What is it? Well, it's music. Well, how do I do that? Let's, let's cover that next. So uh, mm. I had two voices available to me and I just wrote a little duet. Lovely. And that was, uh, yeah. So that was 1983 mm -hmm. in, uh, in the game, the game. Oh, the game. Yes. Uh, thin ice. I didn't hear the dot, dot, dot in that the game was thin ice. Yeah. Mm. And and really, it was uh, it was agonizing for me too because I I, I had a, a little bit of uh, a pretty healthy dose of, of imposter syndrome even then, and and I had a degree in music, but I but my right. uh, certain amount of dyslexia never really could play mm -hmm. a, a legitimate instrument, but I had a right. four track recorder, so I played a little bass line on one of the tracks, do dee do dee do dee do dee, and then I very slowly dubbed and overdubbed on guitar the melody. That would mm. go with do 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 very slowly, and then I listened back to what I'd written, and then put it onto manuscript paper, um, yeah, and then gave it to Dave Warhol, who's also a, an adept musician, and and he was the programmer. Do you remember how many K you had to work in? Oh, or, I didn't or, have or... any Ks. Uh, no, I uh, I had a manuscript paper. You see, right? <laughs> so see. Yeah, he okay, had the yeah. Case. So the programmer worried about the case, right? Yeah. Right. So two voices, yeah, sure. And yeah. what was it? What did he say? About ten seconds. Yeah, um, a little loop. <laughs> yeah. So whatever would fit in there, that was that was a yeah. pretty reasonable way to work. And I also, you know, a weirdness here is that I've been working pretty consistently since 1983. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, let's say relatively consistent, but I've never really squeezed the K's. No, right. You know what I'm saying? I, I, yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. Every once in a while, when I, when I would write for Dr. Katz, one of my consistent clients, he, he, he created the online world for Cadia. Um, mm -hmm. And if you look up his history, you'll find some, some very f fun and bizarre things. But uh, uh, every once in a while, I would write a tune for him for, say, a slot machine. And yeah. then he would come back at me and say, well, you've got really way too many Ks. And <laughs> these are actually right. Ms. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing to me here, George? Yeah, fewer uh, M's, yeah. more K's, less K's. I see. Yeah. So yeah, you sh you showed me um, the other day. You're uh, you have uh, pretty much all the music you've done for slots on uh, on SoundCloud. Is that right? Yeah, and, it's on uh, SoundCloud, and it's 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 not even pretty much all. It's that might be. I'm gonna guess it might be a third. Oh really? Wow. Okay. Maybe maybe less than a third. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of slots. And yeah, because as I said to you, I've never been a slots guy. I'm always, I'm a video games guy, and I hadn't realized how kind of uh, yeah how how I suppose. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Of course, any anything can play nice audio now, but I hadn't really associated them in my head with with actual music. Still in my head, they were you know just very simple jingles. And but here you've got actual you know proper <laughs> proper full blown <laughs> uh, soundtracks to these slot machines. Well, I tried to put I tried to put some love into it too. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, Liam, yeah. You know, I mean, kind of a pact you've got with the person who's playing is, you know, you've got a captive audience and, you, yeah, you know, you're for sure. responsible for their, their enjoyment during the time that they're in that experience and, and you want to give them something beautiful. So you're the, you like writing the soundtrack to a lot of lobbies in Las Vegas and places like that. Yeah, I, I think I might be. Um, I haven't ever gotten the feedback, you know, every once in a while in, in games, I got to put out a lot of sounds and songs and, and uh, music. And every once in a while, someone would come back and say, wow, you know, this really is beautiful. Or even later, you know, many years later, they'll say, this mm. changed my life. Or I got into the composing business or the video game business on account of this music. But uh, you can put similar energies into slot machines mm. and not quite get that kind of result back. Or at least I haven't yeah. yet. And it's been a good solid 17 years of that work. So... I, I, mm. I, I'm kind of curious, you know, what the inherent difference is. And maybe I'm just being thick. Maybe it's obvious what the difference is. Uh, it's the lack of story, maybe, and, and, and the character, maybe, with the slots. But maybe that's my naivety about slot machines. I don't know what they're doing these days. Uh, yeah, so, I, yeah. I mean, story and character, I mean, there, there wasn't much to that ice skating penguin game. Yeah, um, true. And there certainly are, you know, cute little fishies and, and uh, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of pseudo plots put into the it, yeah, it yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't make that much sense. No, 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 I, no, I, I agree with you though. Fundamentally, I think that that what you're saying is, um, where the where is the emotion in the slots game? Maybe it's partly the cacophony as well, because you're like surrounded by multiple machines all at once. Maybe it's hard to pick out those tunes sometimes. A, I don't know. A lot of times, yeah. A lot of times, yeah. that's it. I was just at the slots convention, uh, Global Gaming Expo, right. in. Uh, in Las Vegas last week or the week before. And uh, I noticed that some of the games by Aristocrat just put this face in front of you. It's like you're, you're standing at the machine and in front of you is this friendly face. Maybe he's a mm. Mexican guy and he's got a cute little burrow behind him. Um, mm. And he's looking you right in the eye like he really cares about you, like he loves you, like he's this very, kind of very interesting character. And this little donkey is doing cute things and the game is going on down at your lap. Mm -hmm. And it almost kind of seems like uh, there's sort of a euphoria, sort of a story that wants to be told there. I don't know. I guess I, what I'm doing, Leon, is I'm feeling around in the slots uh, yeah. area right this second and I'm going, you know, where's the emotion? Where's the connection? Where's the beauty in this? trying to get to it um, yeah. you know what is the frame of mind of a, of a person who's playing slots and 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 how can you make make their time uh a good time you know yeah if, if they're paying sure. for it how can you make it make it sweet absolutely yeah um and so so fast forwarding uh because we opened the show there with a, a more recent track although it's uh, it's a couple of decades old now um so welcome to the zoo about the topiary creatures uh from uh putt putt saves the zoo so you did a couple of um putt putt games back in the um the sort of early cd rom era um and that's a funny song so can you can you remember putting that one together back in 95 ish yeah we got a, a fax from Ron Gilbert and, uh, you know, while we were working on that game. And uh, yeah. I think uh, one of his writers 
came up with uh, with a couple of lyrics, you know, let's go to the zoo, zoo, zoo. Uh, you can be there too, too, too. We'll see the kangaroo, roo, roo. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I my arrogance came up and I said, I can do better than this. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the fun was, you know, I wrote back to, to Ron and said, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to put the first ever music video into a video game. That's right. what we're going to do. And I, I kind of said it, you know, snobby like that you know, this is what we're gonna do man and he's like okay george so uh so he he got into it i think that somewhere there exists the facts back and forth you know that conversation but uh it was really fun to rewrite it and i decided i was going to get all clever and gilbert and sullivan-y uh on mm. it yeah and uh there are a few different iterations of it but but uh but as far as that that tune uh so yeah. i was really happy with that and and really it is in weird ways, it's the jewel in the crown, uh, right? Because that's the one that my younger daughter actually recognizes <laughs> as oh. a legitimate tune, and she'll occasionally <laughs> tell her friends uh, that I wrote that, and she actually gets tra- nice. gets friend cred with that. So that feels really good. That's fantastic. Um, and I think the earliest piece of yours that I was familiar with, and I think the one, the earliest one we featured on this show before, is is from Maniac Mansion. So obviously, you've been working with that. Uh, stable that team, LucasArts, Ron Gilbert, all that kind of stuff for a few years by this point. Uh, yeah. On Maniac Mansion, it didn't really feel like I was working with Ron Gilbert because I believe I subcontracted that one. So okay. uh, Ron had actually hired, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Dave Warhol, same mm-hmm. guy. Uh, and Dave farmed most of those tunes out to me, to, to us, you know, by, because by then I was forming Team Fat with the incredibly uh, talented uh, Dave Govett. Um, and so he wrote a, a couple of those tunes too. But uh, right. but all along the years, uh, I've had a lot of encounters with LucasArts and really my, uh, you know, I got a, a lot of good business with Ron Gilbert over the years, but really, well, I... I shouldn't discriminate like this but it was it's been very precious to me to have a, a friendship with uh the stooges uh which is um michael land um yeah. clint bajakian and peter mcconnell yeah. yeah we've just recorded our grim fandango uh podcast which will be out just before this one in fact um so uh yeah we celebrated peter mcconnell's incredible work in that game uh for sure um, which sort of segues us nicely into your first pick by another composer, which is Michael Land. Uh, and this is from the mid-90s, um, one of the sort of the the peak era point-and-click games uh, from LucasArts, The Dig. This is a, a, a nice long piece, incredibly atmospheric.
So that's a mission to the asteroid by Michael Land. So uh, what particularly makes that one stand out for you that made you want to share it today? Well, I think it's something that I mentioned to you in email that is sort of a revelation to me as we're going into this interview mm. is uh, I don't think I really have a lot of uh, favorite video game tracks. Mm -hmm. um, it's more like about relationships and it's more about people and, and people whose music that I trust. Of course. Uh, for instance, I used to get regular massages and I would right. put on the Dig soundtrack and, uh. um, and you know, of all the massage music that's available in the world, it was just right in that, uh, in, sweet spot. in the sweet spot between the margins of this isn't doing anything and it's yeah. so busy that it's keeping my mind, uh, you know, occupied and mm. guessing what it's going to do. And that may be a wide, wide sweet spot, but, but uh, unfortunately, a lot of music just steps to one side or the other of it. Um, and uh, and also that it carries a, a personal uh, uh, valence bond to me because I, I remember a conversation I had with Michael right after he put that soundtrack out. Now that's on Angel Records, which is a legitimate classical music label. They've got the soundtrack yeah. to the dig. And it's got real musical things it's doing. It, it, uh, it's got interesting interactive stuff I, I remember uh, uh michael saying okay when you're in this you're in this central area of the game and you're you're looking from one door to another door and whichever door you look at you you hear the music for the world that's behind that door mm. and so i have this chart he's telling me where each area has a, its key area and so when you're in this central location and you're facing the doors you go through the key changes, but you know how I have it arranged, George. And he starts spilling this theory on me, which I really can't follow. <laughs> but the right. passion of it, you know, that speaks to me. And the excitement about it and how it's interactive and how he built the iMuse system. And he would describe yeah. to me how he said, you don't want to do something like this, George. You know what it's like? It's like being up in a skyscraper without a blueprint and you're just saying, put this girder over here, put that one over there, and you don't know where it's gonna lead. And it costs it costs a million dollars and takes 10 years. And he'd give me all these things and this is what I'm hearing. And then I met him at a GDC just after that, that record came out. And I said, what's the takeaway? And he said, and he had, he had like three days, six days worth of beard, which at that time was not a fashion. Not a fashion. Yeah. Not a fashion. We, we didn't do that then. And he, I believe that he had uh, had difficulty with his personal relationships right around then because of how much time he'd been spending on the dig and on mm. putting the record order together. But he said, George, I learned something. He said, when in putting this linear music together, he says, that's art. I could do that. I could arrange how the listener listens to... He says, George, one of the things that we compose with, one of our tools is time. And when you give over to the game player, so you mm -hmm. give up control of the game. He says, what we do with this interactive music thing, it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and he's... Yeah. 
the guy, he and his team were really right there when the, you know, in the process of bringing us interactive soundtracks. So really, this is like, you know, Michelangelo coming to you and saying, well, actually, sculpture is kind of impossible. Yeah, that's quite something to uh, to take on board. But I, I can see where he's coming from as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. And as, it was a, it's, all, it's all magic to me, effectively. Well, yeah. Yeah, but you, well, you think about, you know, the question of if someone hands you, uh, uh, you know, if I'm a painter, you know, if I'm a sculptor, you know, but what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give you a bunch of sand of different colors and give you a jar and say, put the sand in the jar. That's my painting. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, then that's, that's kind of what, uh, what Michael was saying his, his art is, but yeah. I came back at him and I said, well, here's the challenge. If we, we lived in a world where there was nothing but paintings and you said to me, it would be impossible to create a painting that looks good. If the, if the user has control over it, then I'd say, okay, well, what we have to do is invent, invent sculpture, you know, so, <laughs> so that the, the, we create a new kind of art that, that reacts well and effectively depending on certain things that the user does, like they can look at it from different angles. So that was, so. I mean, from, from where we're sitting, Leon, we've got, uh, you know, the, the composers for the games now have a lot of tools that they can use to make the music reactive and interactive. Yeah. Um, but at that time, there weren't a lot of tools. And Michael no. had invented one of the few tools that was capable of doing that. And yes. only three people in the world had ever had access to that tool. Mm. So we were like, you know, we were we were like ancient cave people looking off into a future where there might, you know, and speculating on what such a thing as a dinner plate might be, or you know, yeah. a wheelbarrow. It was uh, it was exciting times as a gamer to uh, when I first you know finally got to. Uh, here I'm using action. Um, it was yeah, it was revelatory. It was it, it was exciting, and I knew it uh, as somebody who'd already been playing games and enjoying video game music for some years. I knew that this was, you know, kind of the way forward. This is where things were headed, which was more interactive or responsive music. What game was it? What what spoke to you? I guess the first I'm used game I played would have been Monkey Island Two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean that that soundtrack. Both those, both the, the first two Monkey Island games in particular, I adore those soundtracks. We've we've definitely uh, featured tracks from from there on here before. That's beautiful stuff. That is really mm. great, really great music. And 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 again, you know, the, what we're harping on here, or what what I, what I keep coming back to is, you know, for me, it's about it's about Michael and Clint and and Peter, and being able to sort of feel like I own something like I like like mm. there's there's a rich relationship that comes from many many angles and that gets through my thick head and suddenly the music means something to me mm. and mm. and I, and maybe that's just uh, maybe that's like just being a fan maybe being a fan is like that but uh, I remember when the Monkey Island stuff came out um, Michael was talking about how you know when you go into the store the music changes from you know a surfy version to a calypso version or whatever it was a reggae yeah. version or a, a, a zydeco and i can't remember and uh, mm -hmm. and he'd say and it does it seamlessly but yeah. i had had luck with 
no million dollars, no 10 years, I had very good luck with Wing Commander. Yes. Which, well, not luck, but I mean... Well, no, there was a lot. I mean, yes, there's a great element of Dave Govett's uh, sort of brutal and brilliant composing. Yeah. Um, that was that was like the first game where... I, I can't find any, any other games before that where someone would... You know, said, well, I'm going to imitate John Williams for a game. I'm going to do yeah. orchestral. You know, mm. maybe a couple of the King's Quest sort of games might have done that. But but uh, we really went for the John Williams. And it was because Govett had this these tunes going around in his head anyway. Yeah. Um, but uh, he laid down this, the fight music. So we we took that tune, we cut it up into segments, and if mm. the missile is chasing you, you cut to one segment. If the, you're chasing the missile, you cut to another segment. We didn't yeah. do any of the technology. We just labeled the pieces with, yeah. you know, missiles chasing you, your wingman's been hit, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the game cut instantly to whichever tune we had, you know, when the situation arose, you where your wingman's been hit, you cut instantly to your wingman's been hit. And so mm. we kind of told what the rules were. But to me, it felt like luck to be in the place where we were being asked to do these things, to have the skillful engineers in place who were, you know, being ordered to do interactive music suddenly. But what I'm getting around to is, in my conversation with Michael, he said these transitions happen seamlessly. And yeah. I said, hey, yeah. in Wing Commander, you just cut to the next thing, and the person knows that they've done it. A lot of times, oh, oh, that, yeah. Michael said, Michael said, you, we do it seamlessly, and people aren't noticing it. <laughs> and I said, well, uh, yeah. I didn't work hard at all, and people notice the crap out of what I'm doing. <laughs> I didn't even work on it, you know. So I'm, I'm really going to attribute a lot of that to uh, to luck and to these fun conversations, which, in retrospect, uh, just take on completely different meanings and make me feel very, very humbled. Uh, and, and pleased to have gotten to hang out with these great people and to be part of this weird evolution of game audio. Uh, and that's and that's one of the reasons that's kind of what I feel when I listen to the music of The Dig. Yeah. You know, I, I see these, I just feel like I'm sitting with a really good friend who's been on a really amazing adventure with me. Mm. And I'm getting a massage, so... <laughs> Bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Can't beat that with a stick. Just before, uh, a few, well, I guess a few years before, uh, in between Maniac Mansion on the Nintendo Entertainment System, the 8 the bit machine, and before the world of CD ROM, and I'm using all that, um, I think, uh, am I right in thinking this, uh, this demo, this is really interesting insight that you're going to share with us, is from 16 bit. Um, is this for the Super Nintendo, or is it just a general Nintendo demo? I don't think we'd gotten around to Super Nintendo yet. Okay. It's um, 91, it, so it existed, but maybe you weren't if, working on it yet. In fact, here, look. Here's uh, here's the demo. I'm going to turn on my video, and I'm going to show you that okay. this little... I just found this in my mom's closet. Looks like a, a takeaway uh, food That's carton. exactly what it is. From Threadgills <laughs> in Austin, Texas. A friend of mine, Bill Narum, who's a sort of a legendary... Po poster artist from the 60s he right. passed away a few years ago uh, mm. but he did this weird artwork on the cover with circuit boards and batteries and and each one was different uh yeah and then inside were fishing lures and rubber worms and okay. things like that and uh and here's the cassette 
Ah, uh, tape. Velcro'd Good old-fashioned chrome cassette or whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, it... copyright 1991. Yeah. So, and side one, computer game music. And mm. side two, Nintendo music. Um, right. And, uh, and so, but these four little cards were in there. So I had yeah. done, my bragging rights were, uh, at that time, some awards. Wing Commander, uh, Battle Chess 2 was, was uh, oh, here, from Computer Gaming World, Wing Commander was number one. Uh, Battle Chess 2 was number 26. LHX Attack Copter was number 33. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so let's yeah. see, list of games, a few titles. Wing Commander, Castles, Loom, Wing Commander 2, Savage Empire, uh, Cartel, Lexi Cross, <laughs> Frogfoot, Battle Chess 2. So that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, this is your few, calling card, your CV. Yeah. Yeah. Your demo tape. It. And I had read somewhere that if you send out a mailer that has lots of different pieces of paper in it that are different textures, that people are more likely to read it. Oh, okay. Interesting psychology. I might try something like that. Yeah. I, I think that the book was... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's Think and Grow Rich, which was all about teaching people <laughs> teaching people how to get into mail-order marketing, a very old, revered, and probably very dated uh, book. But I'd read it for whatever reason, yeah. and I tried to incorporate some of the wisdom. But this was, I may be mistaken, but I think I'm yeah. not, this was the first demo reel for sound in video games. Huh. Wow. Amazing. That I even amazing. got press out of it. Someone sent out my first article uh, that, that anyone wrote about me. was The headline was, The Fat Man Serves Worms. <laughs> so, yeah, we should, ex uh, we sh I should explain, uh, listeners, uh, those who aren't aware, uh, George Sanger's uh, also known uh, widely as the Fat Man. And George is not a portly gentleman, not even stocky. I, I'm looking, I was, look well, I was looking you, at him right you. there. Yeah. And uh, just do a little spin around. For you, fine figure of a man. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so how, I, I found an interview from about 20 years ago on YouTube uh, explaining. Uh, why you're the fat man? Perhaps our listeners uh, would be interested to know. It, well, it's it's different every time, but but uh, I probably I, said I wondered that. that. I, I probably that. said that twenty years ago. Did I? Yeah. Um, you said uh, twenty years ago. You said you wanted to be Batman, and you sent off for some stuff that was oh. going to be calling you <laughs> something else, man. That it, yes, yes, yes. I I, I, I wanted to be flat, the fast uh, man. man. But I fast, sent out, but I sent out to have my man. business cards printed, and it yeah. was a misprint, and I couldn't afford to have them printed again, so I just went yeah. with Fat Man. Yeah, <laughs> and that's fact. Is that's canon. Thing? Yeah, that's that's the truth. That's <laughs> what, uh, what is the truth, Leon? Uh, <laughs> Fake yeah, news. it was a good thing they didn't come back, Fart Man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's quite something to be uh, lumbered with. Yeah. So uh, let's let's interrupt us now to hear this Nintendo demo. Uh, so, and you'll hear George here explaining uh, what each of the tracks uh, is sort of a demo of conjuring up the mood of the kind of music he was playing. And then, and then we'll come back and uh, talk a little more. The trick to writing for Nintendo is to try to pack a lot of musical value into that little box. This side of the tape has a few of the many tunes I've written for the Nintendo and Game Boy machines. You'll hear them played on a synthesizer, but you'll never hear more than two beeps, a boop, and a pfft. To, which is the uh, musical limitation of the NES. 
I trick the ear into hearing more than that, though, in Evil Dr. Meltdown, the climax to Lucasfilm Games' Maniac Mansion, in which you've got a short time to save your girlfriend before the nuclear lab blows up. Listen for the laughter of Evil Dr. Fred. music I did for real time. I think I could listen to this one for a long time because it has some melodic and rhythmic twists to it. This is for a roller coaster game. Interplay's Total Recall game, I composed this for a Calcutta mining town on Mars. In Nintendo games, you often have to convey a lot of information with a little music. Electronic Arts Double Trouble Ramp gave me about 10 seconds to create some settings. EA did some informal testing, and everyone who tried was able to match all 12 tunes to the appropriate city. Here's Venice. Atlantis. Atlantis. 
Panama City. Interplay's track meet gave me five seconds for each character. Here's a Russian. A dopey strong guy. And a swami. Finally, here's the theme to the NES version of a kid's TV game show. You can get a lot of flash out of three voices in the Nintendo machine, and if those voices are used right, music can really help you tell your story. So that was Nintendo Demo from 1991, sent out by our guest George Sanger as a calling card, a demo tape, um, breaking new ground in the industry. And how did that work out for you? Did that actually concretely, definitely, definitively get you work sending that tape out? I am remembering it that way. Yeah. Uh, Hard to say what's true, Uh, but uh, I just felt like people grinned about that little mailer and it was many many years later where people would say i still have that on my bookshelf uh and and or some people would say i still have that on my desk and they would say one of the reasons that they still had it on their desk was because it's trapezoidally shaped and it wouldn't fit on its end (laughs) so they they had to leave it out somewhere Mm. so uh Was that is that was that in the book as well? Was like you know, uh, part of your guide to getting rich? Yeah, I think that, that one of the chapters in my book was how to get jobs, and then another chapter was how not to get jobs. And I think yeah. that this went on in the how to get jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you you wrote a uh, you wrote a novel, The Fat Man on Game Audio, Tasty Morsels of Sonic Goodness, a book about game audio wrapped in a biography, wrapped in a philosophy on life. Yeah, yeah. is that still available? It is. <laughs> it's available as an ebook, but I've, but uh, do. I think it must be available somewhere else because I keep hearing about people uh, who have read it. But uh, my ebook sales are literally zero, so no. I think it must be coming from somewhere else. Uh, as far as the uh, the hardcover version of it, um, every once that can be found on Amazon. Good, uh, good. And every once in a while, I'll buy three or four copies if they're yeah. if they're at five bucks or so, um, and so that I'll have some to give away. But it's been out of print for a long time. And every once in a while, also there's a there's an issue of it or a, 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 a copy of it for like two hundred and fifty dollars or something. That's fun. But it's out yeah. there, and you can get it. And I and it still Good. holds up. It's still funny. I bet it is, listeners. Check it out. Sound of Play listeners, seek out George's book uh, if, if you're enjoying this show, and I'm sure you are. Um, I wanted to ask you specifically about one game from the uh, 16-bit era. 
that you worked on because it's a game I remember very fondly, and that's uh, Zombies or Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give all the credit for that composition to Team Fat's Joe McDermott. We just had okay. we just had uh, three other composers in in Team Fat. Yeah, uh, and uh, and Joe took that one over and he just shredded it. Um, yeah, and that again, I I believe that that one was done for Dave Warhol. That 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 mm. thread of Dave Warhol as a as a friend and a client uh, kind of goes through uh, through the Team Fat history, um, and. He might even be a an interesting person for you to interview sometime. I would love to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was uh, Zombies was uh, one of um, sort of Lucas's occasional forays into action gaming, and uh, yeah, I remember it. I remember it very fondly indeed. We used to uh, sometimes go go out uh, and drag our guitars out to a conference, and just set up. You know, security was not quite such a big concern in those days, and so we no. would surprise people by setting up a bunch of amps and and a drum kit. And playing surf instrumentals, uh, sometimes officially and sometimes very unofficially. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know songs like uh, "Wipeout" and and uh, "Pipeline" and things like that. And then we do surf versions uh, of our own tunes. And the "Zombies Ate My Neighbors" tune, uh, you know, that that thing yeah. uh, would rise to the top of our repertoire. I don't know if there are any recordings of us doing that oh that would be so good there are recordings of us doing wing commander theme as as a surf tune awesome yeah so you can you can dredge that up for another time we'll 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 dig that out for sure um so uh, again referring to uh your association with uh, ron gilbert and his ilk our next track uh, that you've picked for us is from the very recent um but very uh, kind of uh, retro-minded Thimbleweed Park from the Terrible Toy Box guys, Ron Gilbert and co. Um, very well-received uh, game this year, and this tune is uh, trailer variations. What uh, what is what was it about this one that uh, made it stand out to you? Well, uh, again, it's about people. And yeah. uh, uh, Steve Kirk, I really hadn't had much dealings with. Wow, this is fitting together well. I think that the one time that I hung out with him, uh, was at a game developer conference uh, towards mm. the end. Uh, I think the last one that I went to, or maybe, you know, about four four years ago or three. Uh, and mm. we were hanging out, him, me, and Peter McConnell, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, in in an Irish bar on the last night, of, you know, getting a corned beef sandwich. Mm. Uh, and he just was a very awesome guy. Uh, but we hadn't had a lot of dealings, but I recently put out a blast on LinkedIn just saying how important songwriting was. And if anyone wanted to co-write with me, I'd be up for it. And nobody in the, nobody in the entire world (laughs) seemed interested in writing songs except Steve. And I, and that was when I started looking into his work and I started realizing, Mm. well, actually it was after we co-wrote. I started digging into his work and realizing this guy is phenomenally talented. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so in in digging through that, that's that's where I decided. Well, he's really got to got to make the list. So uh, fantastic. That's that's what stood out. And and almost everything of his, there's something in me that says I can relate to this. Um, I appreciate this music. This this feels like something that's it's speaking to me. And I start comparing it to how I would have written it. 
uh, I start thinking, you know, wow, this reminds me of things that I wanted to write or that I did write or that I couldn't, mm. you know, that this is better than what I do or, or I could do better. You know, those sort of voices start going, which really don't mean anything, but it means I'm engaged.
So that's Steve Kirk's trailer variations from Thimbleweed Park, available on virtually every format under the sun right now. If you fancy uh, a classic style point and click puzzly adventure, that's out there for you. Our guest today is the wonderful George Sanger and uh, this next piece. Now, I read the title and I I was expecting I, I, I was reading it as super sweet world, like as in a, a game level that's set where it's all cakes and candies and all that kind of thing. But it actually turns out it's a it's a it's a it's a rather charming pop song by yourself about a super about the world being super sweet. Yeah, yeah. By, by myself and Steve, he wrote he wrote the bridge and he really grabbed the arrangement Right. Uh, by the by the horns, as we might say in Texas, um, and every sound that you hear on it, it he's making the sound. Um, a lot of the musical ideas are his, and he wrote the bridge. So, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, he really knocked me out with this one. If it's love you want, baby, say no more. There's no hunger here in this candy store If it's love you want, baby, come to me But I'm telling you, it's pretty sweet It's a super sweet world The one I'm showing you That you were born into you best believe it A super sweet world I bet you never knew Nothing you need to do To always be in it You can work all Pretty sweet It's a super sweet world The one I'm showing you That you were born into You best believe it It's a super sweet world I bet you
Delightful, super sweet world from our guest, George Sanger. And uh, we've been talking about George's uh, amazing career in uh, in video games composition and outside of it. Uh, we've obviously got a piece uh, coming later from the 11th hour. Um, but yeah, the, I guess one of the, um, the kind of the most famous uh, projects that you worked on in the 90s was the Seventh Guest. It was it was kind of huge for a while, wasn't it? Seventh Guest. It was huge. Yeah, it was so big you couldn't see it. Uh, not quite as much as. <laughs> as mist uh but yeah mist right. had that characteristic that that game designers wouldn't call it a game even though it was out yeah. outselling everything else yeah um yeah that's not a game that's a hypercard stack you know where's the you know where's the <laughs> the game balance where's the you know the the orc class you know where are the wizards mm. uh things were <laughs> a lot small very small-minded uh, in certain ways at that time. But uh, Seventh Guest was one of those where it was really such a genre ba- breaker in so many ways. Uh, mm. But it really, it did very well. It was the first CD-ROM to sell more than, or first CD-ROM game to sell more than, I think, 20,000 copies. I, I think right. the, the Sherlock Holmes Adventures sold 20,000. And, and uh, but when Seventh Guest came out, it, it came out of the shoot at a million and a half copies. So it yeah. really kind of made... Wow. CD-ROM uh, a viable business. Uh, you know, mm. it, it, CD-ROM, it was like VR. There hadn't really been the killer app. And uh, yep. people were calling it the $0 billion industry. <laughs> you know, because really yeah. CD-ROM was where you'd, you'd buy a, an encyclopedia on CD-ROM. That was, yep. that was what CD-ROM, that was the yeah. use we had found for it. Oh, Encarta. Yeah. 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 And Goodness then me. the seventh guest. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so it got very, it was very popular. And uh, a lot of people uh, have very pleasant memories of playing it late at night with their families. And, and they have unpleasant memories of trying to beat that microscope puzzle, which is the one thing that, <laughs> that Graham, the, the Graham Devine was uh, one of the producers of that game. And uh, I think that the one regret he has about that beautiful game uh, is that, there, it's something about that microscope puzzle that there's always one puzzle yeah. there's all every game like this has yeah. one puzzle that the designer regrets it's it's the law that's the one and i'm not really sure what his regret is and i i would really hate to say it wrong uh you know in public but i think it was something like they he shouldn't have made it quite so impossible to beat <laughs> yeah that that might that might be <laughs> <laughs> the AI was maybe too good, um, but you could always solve it. You could always solve any puzzle in that game uh, by going back to the hint book. Mm. You go go to go get a hint, 
the first time and it'd give you a, a lame hint. You go to, the, to it the second time, it'd give you a, a less lame hint. And you go at the third time and it would solve the puzzle for you. Yeah, it was ahead of its time in that regard. Um, like that's something that a lot of uh, when they've re-released adventure games from the 90s, they often add a hint system. Now they've done it with Monkey Island and Broken Sword and they didn't do it with Grim Fandango, interestingly. So uh, we we were talking about that on our recent show about just how obtuse some of the puzzles are without and there's no hint system. But fortunately, the whole Internet is a hint system now. Yeah, it um, is. Fortunately, you out of a- are you good with that? Um, it, I, uh, we, we have a long discussion about it. I think, I think some of the puzzles are, uh, in Grim Fandango specifically are too much. What is the designer thinking mm-hmm. here? And uh, rather than I work this out because I'm a, because I'm a smart guy, but I think there's a balance to be struck. Um, but sometimes the temptation is too great. And, and, um, especially if you're playing up against time, uh, I think, I think it become it can become too easy to look up the solution rather than continue to, you know, turn the game off, go to work, puzzle it out while you're at work, and then come home and try out the thing you thought of. And that those those days were cool as well. You know, I I want to relate that to a key thing too. I mean, if if you'll indulge me for a second, please. Um, that I think talking about you know the answers being available on the internet and and being able to and on the other hand you know without the internet to be able to work something out and feel good about yourself and say well I'm I'm very proud that I worked that out mm. you've got to remember if you if you want to understand this thoroughly it, it really helps to remember that the whole internet thing didn't exist yep. for the for many many years of my career so when I first yeah. started going to game developer conferences. Uh, I was the only audio person there. Right. Uh, and I was unaware of the audio majesty of the Japanese composers and the European composers. Um, and I had an opportunity to really think, and I, I sort of apologize for this now, but mm-hmm. it was it was good that at the time in some ways, I thought I really was the greatest of them all. You know, and at a time you at that time, without access to all the true, quote unquote, information, what is yeah. true. Um, but I really felt an exaggerated sense of self-worth uh, mm. from time to time. And uh, I would allow myself to feel that, you know, that my me and Team Fat were dominating the PC games audio business. And I think we were, but I would I would maybe sometimes take that farther and say we were the best to do something or we were the first to do something, which nowadays I'm very hesitant to do uh, because I realize how frequently those things turn out to be just uh, ignorance. So mm. without the Internet, I was able to sort of fuel my own psychology and have a very happy and <laughs> and I think successful uh, career. Uh, which yeah. maybe was somehow fueled in part from ignorance. There's definitely a lot to be said for that, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I think, yeah, there's, uh, is there a happy medium? I don't know. It's very hard, very hard to strike, I find. Um, and there's that sort of feeling, again, especially with, uh, you know, important global political matters. There's a, there's the feeling that partly you, you feel like you ought to know everything. Mm-hmm. But then uh, on the flip side, knowing everything can be incredibly distressing and worrying and actually counterproductive because everything can feel just too 
too large and and insurmountable if you uh, see what i mean i, don't uh, know if that's oh, I see what that, you mean yeah, yeah yeah and this is uh this is the way actually uh that i am hoping that my life you know this is this is how i'd like to see things steer in my life is to be able to feel uh you know free of mm. the burden of having to know everything yeah or or feel free of the burden of having to avoid knowing things you know i, I just like to feel uh comfortable in the moment and yeah and, and uh and i want to compliment you too because you, you i expressed some uh trepidation to you before this interview mm. about you know feeling that uh, you know referring to uh, the imposter syndrome uh, mm. something something that our good friend uh, brilliant Stefan Schutz yeah. um, has has some uh, some good, great things to say about uh, but uh, you know in a confessional ahead of time to say you know well really I don't play as many games as the people on your show do uh, mm. I don't know as much about the tunes that are in games as uh, as the people you've had on the show. Um, and you really came back at me with a beautiful, uh, comforting... Uh, how did you approach that? You said, uh, George, you don't have to know those things. It's my job as a host to make you feel comfortable. Um, you know, just come on and be yourself. And, uh, and the reason I point that up is that I think that any opportunity that any of you listeners get... Uh, to make someone feel comfortable in that way, uh, the way that Leon did for me, uh, <laughs> I think that you are blessing the planet uh, by cutting people slack and by mm. uh, you know giving them sort of your permission to give themselves permission to just be who they are. Uh, sorry, yeah. that kind of got away from game sound for a second, didn't it? That's all right. I go I go along with that. We're also we're allowed to talk bigger topics we can we can do what we want on sound of play uh yeah there you just fine. did it see figure one yeah 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 <laughs> uh yeah and absolutely and apart from anything else george you've made a load of amazing music for games so like you don't need to <laughs> you don't need to be uh you know like that makes you instantly qualified uh to to be on here more than um especially as i say when when we know that we've got a a huge number of, uh, of of admirers who who really wanted you to come on so goodness me yeah um yeah so i, I actually you know i think as uh, it may be that you don't play tons of games and you're not uber familiar with loads of game soundtracks but i love the way that you've chosen them based on the people who made the music oh, um I th it's it's different and and it's incredibly human so yeah no no problems with that at all and it just so happens that all the pieces you've chosen are wonderful as well um <laughs> including the this next one uh so this uh i learned in researching this track i've played this game a fair amount peggle 2 uh the console only sequel to the uh, massive smash hit the original peggle um that this game was actually known internally as symphony during its development because the music is considered by popcap to be such an integral part of the experience of peggle which you wouldn't necessarily as a, as a layman necessarily think, but actually PopCap's music tends to be stellar all the way. And this is, uh, so you've chosen Bjorn's theme song from the Trials Mode by Guy Whitmore. So is, is Guy another guy, pardon the pun, that you are you are known yeah. to with? Yeah. Guy is, uh, Guy is another absolute friend and, and mentor. Uh, right. And I've got to say, uh, 
Yeah, it's about relationships here. You know, I, I think back about uh, times when he's uh, in in the the dark past when he came out to speak at the Austin Game Conference uh, once. Mm. You know, he was giving a, a fairly heady intellectual angle. You know, from the surface, you know, the the title of his talk was something like, you know, technical considerations to doing art, something like that. And and I was mm. in the I was in the back heckling like, you know, <laughs> I had I had this the cowboy suit on. You know, I was kind of known for dressing up in fancy cowboy suits and I was Yes. You know, and I was copying the attitude and I was saying, Yes, uh, but what about the what about the heart guy? You know, what about heart? <laughs> what about love? I mean, if someone listens to your to what you've done, is it really you know, at what point does do the does it sound like music? You know, is it making you cry? Uh, <laughs> I was just giving him that kind of junk, and then later, much later, after other adventures, you know, I get to hear this this music. And what he's done is he's he and his incredible team just broke through the yeah. barriers, and uh, one thing I like about it is. It's orchestral and it's interactive. And if mm. you think about that for a second, technically, it's he had to prove it was possible and he did it with Peggle 2. Uh, and another thing that I truly love about it, aside from the fact that it was done with a team of friends and superheroes, he also described the process that what he did was he took a linear piece of video of gameplay, he scored it, linearly like this is an adventure how would it sound if it were a movie so mm. he started basically with the with the thing like with the you know go in the shower and let music come to you you know this is the way you, he went to his heart to see you know what's the adventure here how do i score the intent of this he did it all right and then he broke that down and let the machine fit it fit the music to the action so these wow. are the things that i sort of admire about it <laughs> Thank you.
So that was Bjorn's theme song from the Trials Mode, specifically, uh, by our guest George's friend Guy Whitmore uh, from the uh, PopCap studio. Been very quiet lately, not quite sure what's going on with PopCap. Maybe they're making games that I'm not seeing because they're on platforms I'm not aware of or something, but... uh, more peggle wouldn't wouldn't go amiss. Well, it, it, they uh, here's 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 a, a difficult thing here. First, let me let me start by saying that that whole sound team was so precious to me that mm. I started stalking Guy <laughs> and, because I was putting a sound team together for for a project I was doing, and I wanted yeah. it to be a superstar team, and it it did turn into that. That's the sound team for for Magic Leap, and we can talk about that at another time. But um, I went to Guy and I said, "Look, I am, I am stalking you. <laughs> You're gonna find out because I'm asking people, what does Guy do? How's he doing it? Who's on his team?" And I had a list of everybody who was on his team, and and I I said, "Look, you're gonna find out from somebody that I'm stalking. I'm not trying to steal people from your team, but I do want to know this: hmm. if you were to hire somebody else for your team, who would you hire?" And he gave me. Uh, the name of Anastasia Devana, who is mm. incredible, and she's at Magic Leap now. We did hire her, and then I went to him later and said, "Who else?" And he gave me the names of uh, Nicholas Hertberg and Elvira. Um, I can do this. No, I can't do this. We'll look up her name later. But they they did music for Angry Birds and some other things, and incredibly right. talented. And we did try to hire them. Um, so I have this whole team admiration for him and I'm the team guy. I had team fat. I put together communities, you know, I'm all about the teams and what I'm getting around to is that team was let go. The only person left is Bicky Allen. Mm. So Mm. what, what happened? What is, what does that mean to the people who care about game audio? Uh, I can't, I can't really say, but Mm. I'm, I'm a little bit in shock and, uh, Mm. I know those guys are going to be all right. Damien Kaspauer. Uh, and and guy and and I should be reeling off names, but I'm afraid they're not coming to me right now. But uh, what a team! What a team! What a team! Yeah. Um, yeah. And how can you have a team like that and let it go? I, there must be financial realities. I'm not going to pretend that I that that it's evil because there must be financial realities that I don't know about. But it's just sure. too, too darn bad. And yeah. And the people I've talked to, I, I've had post mortem discussions with Guy and with Damien. And I tell you what, those guys have great attitudes, and mm. they are they are gonna land on their feet. And what they look at, and here's a message to any of your your listeners who are who are in hard times right now, um, that or they feel like they lost something. Uh, these guys are not acting like they lost anything at all. They're acting like like they had a great time for a while, and were gifted with something that was so beautiful that it will mark their lives forever. And you know what? If you ever feel a strong sense of loss, that is that is an indicator that you had something precious. And you can't feel that kind of loss if you didn't get something precious. And actually, mm. probably the converse is true. You know, if you have something that precious, you're going to lose it someday. So because everything changes. So mm. how do you so how do you get through life? You go well. Those beautiful moments, you know. If I'm feeling a sense of loss, something really beautiful must have happened to me. Let's look at that. That's a lot. Um, yeah, it's a very Buddhist way of looking at things. All is impermanent, and uh, and and be in the the moments and all that kind of thing. Um, 
And it sort of leads us uh, crashingly uh, into <laughs> into our next peak. Speaking piece. of segues, uh, yeah, uh, always like a good jarring segue. Uh, so this next piece, um, I don't really know too much about it, uh, other than it's very entertaining and uh, and amusing, as I'd expect from you, George. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about Hey Hey I'm a Winner? <laughs> yes, I can. This is a song. For a slot machine. I don't know I why. I thought it might be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but so, for some reason, I believe in songs. And uh, it, maybe it's because it's, you know, if you look at the great things in life, a lot of them are Disney. And a lot of the great thing about Disney is the songs. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the great things in life are Beatles. And a lot of the thing about Beatles is the songs. Uh, and I've just kind of tried to bring that to video games. I've tried to bring it mm. even to the slot machines. So I had an, one of the opportunities I had to do that. Uh, the game, I, the company I was working for, uh, one of their competitors was using uh, "We're in the Money" as the mm. song that they play to you after you've won a bunch of money. Yeah, but you're waiting for the attendant to come around and get your information for the IRS for the tax. Oh, you know, you've got to course, fill in yeah. forms in order to collect a big jackpot, uh, mm. and. So they said, George, can you do something that's like We're in the Money, but doesn't have lyrics? And I thought, well, if it doesn't have lyrics, it's not about money. Um, so it really wouldn't mean anything. It'd just be a swing song. Uh, mm. So I said, well, let me write you a song. And and my idea was to write a song that, okay, so these... At first, these slots, you know, while I was writing this, these slots were only in Indian casinos. And, and a lot of the Indian casinos are really small. They're like in double-wide trailers. You know, they're really not glorious places. And they're intimate. If you yeah. win a big jackpot, I'm, I'm putting myself in the situation of the winner. And I'm saying, you know what? Not everybody won that jackpot. It was just you. And you might be feeling mm. mixed feelings. And the person next to you might be feeling mixed feelings. Mm. And what is the message of this song? And I wanted the message of the song to be, I'm a, I'm a winner. You know what? We're all winners. <laughs> I'm going to, if, if I've got money, I could buy you something. I could buy you a dinner. And that rhymes with winner. And, you know, so, so, so I wanted it to be a community thing. Uh, I wanted it to feel like, you know, let's all celebrate the fact that this one person won and let's make it a happy thing for everybody. So that's, Hey, hey, I'm a winner. And it features uh, my brother and his lovely wife, my brother Dave Sanger, and his lovely wife Elizabeth McQueen uh, of the band Asleep at the Wheel, and they're singing the backgrounds uh, with me. Hey, everybody, we have a winner. Hey, everybody.
I'm a winner. You're a winner. Look at all the good goodies I got. So give me five just to keep it alive and get in on the getting while the joint is hot. Hey, hey, hey I'm a winner. You're a winner. It's what I told you when I walked in the door. So shake my hand and get some luck, my friend, and get back to the action so we'll win some more. And if you're thinking that you don't have what it takes to be a grinner, you're a beginner. Now, Lady Luck is here, and man, if you find fortune with a spinner. Ooh, yeah, then buy me dinner. Hey, hey, I'm a winner. You're a winner. I'm on my mark, and I can do no wrong. And buddy, this is how life always is. Well, that's the way I see it when I'm singing this song. So that was Hey Hey, I'm a Winner by our guest George Sanger uh, from 2004. We've established on uh, A Slot Machine, the name of which, do we know that? It's, probably, know. it's I... probably on uh, about 100 slot machines. Oh, okay. Right. I see. I, I didn't know how that's that's how that worked, but it, it makes sense. And so, yeah, George is a big fan of the song and perhaps one of the, uh, the earliest examples, uh, maybe not, maybe not if I'm really thinking about it, but certainly this is from almost exactly 10 years ago now when the Orange Box came out. Portal was on the Orange Box. Valve's amazing compilation of insanely high-quality video games for the price of one. And one of the things that came out of the Orange Box and Portal was the closing song by Jonathan Coulton, who was already uh, kind of well-known... uh, songwriter uh, wrote a lot of songs about um, kind of, I guess, geek culture, nerd culture, and that kind of thing, and um, and and some other stuff, real life experiences, a bit of sci-fi, various things. So, is Jonathan a friend of yours as well? Uh, I'm afraid so. Uh, <laughs> That's a good thing. I'm afraid so. I think it's a- uh, we we uh, it, it's uh, we're not close friends, but we have hung out a couple of times, and and at least. At least one of us enjoyed the other's company. Um, we had <laughs> drinks after one of his shows in uh, in Austin, and uh, I invited him over to write songs. Uh, I, I issued the the songwriters challenge uh, yeah. to him, and he said that he might come over. So so I was there with uh, um, uh, with a couple of other friends that I that I write tunes with, uh, Scott Snyder and uh, Steve McAllister, and so the. Uh, we 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 were drinking with Jonathan. We we were talking about him writing uh, one song a week as a challenge to himself. Uh, so mm. so you know we we struck up that kind of uh, relationship. I tried to get him to uh, come speak at a game com- a game audio conference that we were throwing. That was kind of my mission at that time. 
Uh, I think that might have been before he wrote Still Alive. So we right. knew him from songs like uh, Code Monkey. Yes. And then I was at that time hosting a a an online uh, a webcast, uh, a videocast, or what do you even call it, with uh, Jerry Ellsworth uh, called Fat Man and Circuit Girl. So we were we were doing kind of nerdy inventing uh, mm. on the internet, uh, and we took on the challenge of building a guitar for Jonathan Colton. So I built ah. a guitar called the Monkey Pony uh, for him, <laughs> and then I flew to. Uh, uh, where is he? Is it is it new, uh, the back east somewhere? Now huh. I'm forgetting. It was New York ish, wasn't it? No, I don't even remember where he was. Yes, New York, and uh, and I delivered the guitar to him and hung out with him a little bit more there. So uh, if Fantastic. you search the internet, you can find me interviewing him and hanging out with him a little bit. And sorry, that uh -huh. was a long winded way of saying, uh, yeah, we hang a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's very cool. Uh, and yeah, unbelievably, this is the first time I believe we've played Still Alive on Sound of Play, even though we've been going several years. So it's high time we heard it, Still Alive. This was a triumph. I'm making a note here, huge success. It's hard to overstate my satisfaction. Aperture science. We do what we must because we can For the good of all of us Except the ones who are dead But there's no sense crying over every mistake You just keep on trying till you run out of cake And the science gets done And you make a neat gun For the people who are still alive
think we've played the other Still Alive from uh, Mirror's Edge, um, but not that one. So that that wrong is now righted, thanks to our guest, George. Uh, so, George, we've got two more tracks to hear from you, but uh, I'm interested. Uh, you mentioned uh, your, your current team, your current project. What's... Uh, What's going on with uh, what's going on with you right now professionally? <laughs> uh, I'm not really sure, Leon. Oh, but there are a lot okay. of lot of irons in the fire. Good, and good. There is one is a secret project that has something to do with Putt Putt Saves the Zoo, and oh, I think okay. that you would be, you and your listeners would be really gratified and excited to experience details of that when they become available. So I'm just putting that out as a teaser. Um, Okay. Stay tuned uh, for that one. And then uh, let's see, what is happening with me? You know, I'm not really sure, Leon. Um, (laughs) And it's going to be very difficult to plug anything right now. Um, Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Difficult to, difficult to promote anything. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, I'm talking to Leon is what I'm doing. And, uh, and, uh, uh, I guess that if any of your listeners, uh, want to co-write a song, <laughs> should I extend that offer or if they need please, it? we, we, we do feature, uh, you know, uh, up and coming and, uh, and wannabe professional composers. So, uh, it's, I think it's increasingly likely that, uh, that, I mean, I think people would feel like they were being very bold, um, to to speak to somebody who's had such an incredible career, but I think we've also established that, uh, and all the people who I I know who know you have said that you're an extremely nice guy. So I I don't think people need to be intimidated. So yeah, please yeah. do extend that invitation. Yeah, yeah. and, and uh, uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm reinventing myself. I would say is a is a good way to say it. And uh, and so I'm kind of listening to the universe and seeing where it's sending me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I will say one of the things that I've <clears throat> that I'm facing now is uh, that as some of some of the people in your world uh, are attempting to get into sound for games and music for games, and mm. uh, I'm just re-realizing that I am. Uh, I, so, so a little background here. I was. Uh, for the last three years, I was uh, audio director for Magic Leap, and mm. I'm transitioning from that into uh, uh, consulting for them. And so I'm right. going, oh, okay, what am I doing next? So I've got a lot of a lot of irons in the fire, like I said. But one of the things I was doing is, well, let's start let's start back up the uh, music for games career. And I want to mm. tell you guys, if you're thinking about getting into this business. It is no longer the case that you can show up at the game developer conference and be the only sound guy there. Yeah. It is no yeah. longer the case. There are no uh, hundreds, thousands of yes. incredibly talented people who are very, yeah. very, very eager uh, to do sound. And not only can do sound, but can do uh, the middleware, which didn't exist, you know, as we said, you know, that, but, but there are, you could say versions of iMuse, you know, there, there are tools available now, mm. which there weren't a long time ago. So there are people who are not just brilliant composers and sound designers, but experts at those things. And then there's another layer on top of that, 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 that the ones who are getting uh, jobs are frequently those who can, on top of those other things, uh, program a computer, you know, not just script, but write 
actual programs and write code. Uh, and then there are some who write their own systems uh, for, for the sound yeah. playback. So it really has become... the whole thing, some of them. Yeah. There are some brilliant, brilliant people. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, speaking of Stefan Schutz, <laughs> yeah. and speaking of Guy Whitmore, uh, you know, and Michael Land uh, and, and Anastasia Devana, uh, you know, these are not just double threats, triple threats. These are quintuple, you know, sextuple <laughs> threat uh, people. So it's highly, highly competitive. Um, and so I'm tempted to say if you can do anything else for a living, you should. <laughs> But I don't really feel honest saying that because, yeah. you know, I've had uh, the ad, the odds were probably against me, too. Mm. But somehow the universe handed me, you know, there was this George shaped space in the air <laughs> and I walked in and, and sat into it. And, and, and I think that uh, that maybe if you're in a position where you're reinventing yourself, too. I mean, here I am, the greatest of them all, you know, the mighty fat man himself, uh, longer doing PC games than anyone in America. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at my career going, heck, what do I do? Is there even work for me? I guess I could work cheap. Uh, I wonder if anyone knows what I do. Uh, maybe I could do this and that. So we all have these moments. And yet mm. it's happened so many times for me that even as I'm considering advising you get out of the business, I'm also, the words that are coming out of my mouth are, you know, you're going to land on your feet one way or the other. The world will take care of you as it has me over and over and over again. And every success that you have, you look back on the turmoil that led up to it and say, oh, well, those steps were necessary to lead up to this. Mm. You know, so, mm. uh, so... I don't even want to say hang in there and I don't want to say quit. I want to say sometimes your walk is your way. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. Persevere or pivot. It's up to you. You get to invent it. And uh, and that's, and so if you're asking me, what am I doing in my life right now? I'm doing exactly what I just advised you to do. I'm just taking cool. one foot in front of the other and going, whoa, what's next? And maybe when we get together for the next, uh, for if if we do get a chance to get together again, uh, oh for sure, then uh, then there will be some uh, some more adventure to tell. Mm. Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, our penultimate track is another pick from you. Uh, now, uh, Eric Suka, if that's the correct pronunciation, uh, is a guy who I know uh, has done some uh, fantastic chip tune stuff. So harking all the way back, although obviously using modern technology and techniques, um, his soundtracks for things like uh, Spelunky and Super Crate Box and Downwell. And this ridiculous fishing obviously do have uh, a certain uh, nostalgic element to them. Uh, what's what's the deal with you and Eirik or ridiculous fishing? I don't know him. I actually played the heck out of this game and I <laughs> sure. loved the music. Great music. <laughs> it has a sense of humor. It's appropriate. Uh, and in the context of this game, if there is any imperfection, it's it comes off as tongue-in-cheek. So if it ever feels repetitive or if it ever feels like it's been done before, which 
I'm, I'm not going to insult it by saying it had, it, well, it skirts against those, but it feels just very graceful. Mm. It just feels like it's just delightful to listen to. It's what you want to hear and it's brave. And, and that's my relationship. This, in this case, it's actually the music that I like. So that was home waters the down version because first your rod your hook goes down and then it comes back up and the music changes i remember that from ridiculous fishing uh by eric surka from ridiculous fishing vlambeer's 2013 mobile game uh remember please uh, venture over to our forum canarince.com slash forum or you can do it on twitter follow us at canarince you could even use the facebook page facebook dot com slash rinse as you'd expect use the hashtag sound of play if you want us to find it and request your favorite tunes other oddities and curios from the entire history of the medium uh, and we'll continue to include a selection of those in the playlist for our regular sound of play podcasts and please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already leave us an itunes review or rating if you haven't already we still need more uh, and that also goes for other platforms where you might get this podcast and if you've enjoyed this sound of play and our weekly podcasts and our cane and rinse podcast we do have a patreon patreon.com slash cane and rinse uh, you can donate the minimum of a dollar a month or more that's around 75 pence currently less than a chocolate bar for many many hours worth of entertainment and uh, bear in mind that for every hour you hear we put in something like 15 hours of, of work at this end so it's all gratefully received now before we talk about uh, the final track which is going to play us out this epic piece uh, i really want to thank george sanger for for joining us being a wonderful guest thank you george thank you leon and thank you for all that work that you put into it uh, I think that it really shows. Um, it comes through in every in every minute, and uh, and that, that's that's appreciated by your listeners. But I'm gonna say it. Thanks. Well, thank you, George. Uh, I didn't get you on here to be nice to me, uh, but I'm gonna take <laughs> well, it. Sometimes anyway. Sometimes things happen, don't they? <laughs> they do. What what can we do? So you say you've got nothing to plug. Are you on social media at all? Do you want people to follow you on Twitter? I found you on Twitter earlier. Uh, sure. Uh, Facebook, uh, uh, Twitter, um, LinkedIn. If it's business, if you want to do business, 
Get me yeah. on LinkedIn and hire me for your game, I guess, maybe. I don't know if I'm really in that position. We'll see. I might be, you know, I might be consulting to build a casino into the next, you know, in, into the, the future destination <laughs> resort. Uh, I have no idea what I'm doing. Get, get in touch. Uh, yeah, get in touch any old way. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, and I, I like people and I'm busy. So if I don't get back to answering you, uh, I apologize. But uh, uh, hello, everybody. And uh, <laughs> feel free to reach out. Fantastic. I'm sure people will. I think they will. Uh, having listened to this, uh, especially some of our young and upcoming uh, composers, I think they would would and could get some invaluable pointers and tips. And yeah, possibly, who knows, a collaboration. If, if a collaboration between, if we brought two musicians together um, through Sound of Play, that would make uh, this whole darn thing worthwhile. And lots of, <laughs> lots of things make this whole darn thing worthwhile. But that would be particularly excellent, especially if, you know, something that was published and and you know came out and was a was a, a finished thing uh some kind of collaboration between listeners and guests would be amazing so yeah make it happen folks don't be shy uh clearly george does not want you to be shy <laughs> yeah there you go uh, so uh we're going to close with this most epic track uh from uh from the 11th hour the final hour and this is your kind of um prog rock opus mag, magnum opus <laughs> uh it's it's kind of prog rock opera would that be fair i i, I words fail me i mean i wrote a book <laughs> but but i'm not good with words um yeah sure let's call it that uh it, it was uh i spent a lot of time thinking about it mm. um I, I was in uh, uh and i was in a phase of my life where I was there's a certain amount of uh, introspection and and uh, agonizing about this and that and I spent a lot of my attention just kind of trying to come up with with the the words to this and I wanted it mm. to interleave with the words to the original so this is the sequel to the seventh guest the yeah. seventh guest tune the seventh guest game was riddled with this melody Let's take the time to find ourselves again or to find out what's inside. And and I wanted a tune that would work as a counter melody to that or would the, the, that song would work as a counter melody to it. I wanted to work in the plot points of the game. Uh, and uh, there were a couple of other things I wanted to accomplish. And I also wanted it to come off uh, uh, somehow as... Uh, something people would really relate to i probably tried to make it a love song i can't even remember if it if it works at that level but i wanted it to be very very deep and rich and i had uh team fat play on it uh i think the only exception is that um my brother might be playing drums dave sanger instead of dave govett who usually played drums in team fat okay um, and uh, I think, but I think that it's, uh, it's my old buddies, Kevin Phelan and uh, Joe McDermott. Um, and I don't know what else to say about it. We recorded another version of it that's drifting out there in the universe somewhere. I don't know where to point you to to find it. But this is it. The giant uh, uh, sequel to the game, the final hour. And uh, I think it's just one of my favorite things. You know what? I like listening to it. And I hope you do too. 